The Watership Down podcast is intended for listeners who are familiar with the plot. There will be spoilers. This episode is scripted by Newell Fisher and Harry Ramos and is recorded, edited and narrated by Newell Fisher. Hello and welcome to the Watership Down podcast episode 124 in which we will be looking at season 1 episode 2 of the TV series and episode 2 of the series overall. Home on the Down. First, a little bit of borough keeping. Can I remind you again about our appeal to raise funds for the Rabbit Welfare Association and Fund via JustGiving.com, the link to which will be in the notes, or just search JustGiving.com under my name, Newell Fisher. The podcast is now on the new social media platform Threads as, guess what, the Watership Down podcast, all one word. Check it out if you're there, and yes, I'm aware of the wider context. However, I'll be staying on Twitter for now. Next, Ausla member Javier Ramos from Australia has made the following comment on Instagram after last week's episode, which perfectly sums up the approach I was hoping Warship Down fans would take towards my going through this series. Quote, As always, a great episode. I've never been drawn to this adaptation of such a classic. However, while listening to this fabulous podcast, I thought to set myself a challenge to watch the episode being discussed each week. This morning I watched episode one and absolutely loved how it complemented the narrative of the podcast and how well Newell does this. I've watched episode two, so I'm ready for next week. I'm so glad Newell is continuing with the Is It Canon theme, as so far from watching I can see that although very loosely based on the original, there are snippets to the story that are actually quite a good representation of Richard Adams' masterpiece. Some brief insights. Jane Horrocks voice brings me much joy as I love her. As for Dandelion's voice, this irritates me, as I've always imagined him to have a more stylish, more storyteller voice. I also cringe when I hear human terms being used, bigwig calling Fiverr a lad. The music, however, I really enjoy. Thanks again, y'all. I'm looking forward to seeing how this challenge unfolds. End quote. Thank you, Javier, once again, for your support. This will be a very different journey to what we have done before, so it's really good to know you'll be along for the ride. On a related subject, I've noticed since last week that the singing of the main refrain of Bright Eyes at the end of the credit sequence in the YouTube versions of the episodes is missing. Instead, there is just an instrumental. I have no idea, no idea why this is. I believe this to be the only difference between the episodes on YouTube and the ones on DVD, but I will keep a lookout for any other differences. For example, I was already aware that the order of the episodes on the DVD box set I have is slightly different to the order in which they were first broadcast, which is the order in which I'll be going through them on the podcast. The series seems to have been a little played around with in subsequent years, and there is one example of an episode having been renamed. I will deal with all these known differences as I get to any episodes they apply to. The YouTube channel I'm referencing for the full episodes of the TV series is called Karma Got My Back and mainly features gaming videos. I'd be fascinated to know where he or she sourced the Warship Down TV series from. Lastly, just another reminder that I'm now showcasing Warship Down fan art by posting any that is submitted as the podcast title image on YouTube and posting the art on the podcast Instagram feed with no podcast title getting in the way. All of course with full credit given. I'm not actively canvassing for contributions, so if you want to showcase your Watership Down themed art or know of someone else's art that you think should be, please get in touch with me either by social media or by emailing me at the Watership Down podcast, all one word, at outlook.com. Anyway, let's see how the newly arrived rabbits of Watership Down are getting on. Season 1, Episode 2, Home on the Down. 
The second episode of the Watership Down TV series was first broadcast in the UK on the 5th of October 1999. It was written by Martin Riley. There will be a link to the full episode on YouTube in the notes. The episode begins unexpectedly with a dramatic drumbeat and a panning shot of a dense wood. A rabbit, looking scared, emerges from the undergrowth. Those who know the context of the wider plot of Watership Down will know that this is Captain Holly. To everyone else, he would be a complete mystery at this point. Breathless and afraid, he makes his way through the woodland, pursued by an owl. He manages to evade the owl by hiding in the trunk of a tree. He is grey, with dark-rimmed eyes, and as the owl flies away, he cries out Bigwig's name, then Hazel's. He is voiced by Robert Rackstraw, who also voices Campion, and is a versatile voice actor. As the camera zooms out, and his cries, asking where they are, fade away, we see Warship down in the distance, again seemingly to the east, implying he has come from the west. And now a shot of contented rabbits asleep under the tree on Warship Down. The last name Holly called out was Fiver's, and now Fiver wakes up from a dream about Holly, having seemingly heard him crying out in the distance. In the dream, Holly was trying to stop them from leaving Sandalford, but Hazel says that is all behind them now. But then they hear the cry of an owl in the distance and scatter. The same owl that pursued Holly, presumably? This also emphasises that they are still having to live above ground. And now a shot of a member of the Alil rolling a hedgehog before giving up. This is supposedly a weasel, though it is far too large to be one in real life. The hedgehog, having survived by rolling into a ball, walks off with a disparaging comment towards the weasel in a Scottish accent. It's quite a bizarre moment. But if hedgehogs are going to be Scottish, let's go with that. After all, mice were apparently Italian in the novel. The weasel, hissing, has obviously smelled better prey. Back on Watership Down, Kihar is engaging in his morning chorus. Bigwig asks him what he thinks he's doing, drawing attention to them, and says that he thinks Kihar and Hannah should clear off, before Hazel reminds him that his wing is hurt. Hawkbit and Dandelion seem to be on Bigwig's side in this. Hannah tries humouring Bigwig. It doesn't work. Now we're by a river nearby. A duck is startled by the weasel, which rears up before it flies off. The weasel sniffs the air before exclaiming, Long ears! The first use of this phrase, I believe, in the world of Warship Down. Back on the down, Blackberry has found an old rabbit hole under the tree, which her and Hannah explore. Although extensive, it is not yet big enough for all the rabbits. Blackberry says that if they all dig, it soon will be. Hawkbit and Bigwig helpfully mansplain, or is that Bucksplain to her, that Bucks don't dig. This is obviously something she has heard before, before far too many times. Hazel says that as she's the only doe, she can't possibly be expected to do all the digging. They need to find new ways of thinking. Bigwig says he's already had enough of that and that they are already living with gulls and mice. Hearing this, Hannah, who has just emerged from the burrow with Blackberry, says that if they don't want mice around, she's gone. As she runs off, Fiverr makes it clear he's less than impressed with Bigwig, who walks away along with Hawkbit and Dandelion. Already, the new Warren on Warship Down is dividing along traditionalist versus reformist lines. Hazel says to Fiverr and Blackberry that they've got to pull together or they're finished. Fiverr suggests they just need to get used to the new place, but Blackberry comments that Hazel should lead by example by digging himself. Pipkin also wanders off and joins Kihar, who is hungry and trying to eat grass. This does not go well. Kihar suggests that Pipkin find him some grubs to eat. Pipkin is nervous about going off on his own, but Kihar says he will be fine. He is a big, strong rabbit. Nearby, Hannah is sulking, saying that everyone needs mice. Suddenly, she sees the weasel and runs back towards the warship down to warn them. Nearby, Pipkin has found some grubs. 
Suddenly he hears his big wig's name being called in the distance. And then, in a moment obviously designed to come before an advertising break, the weasel is looming over him from behind. In the next shot, designed to follow the advertising break, we see the weasel, its mouth drooling in anticipation, welcoming Pipkin to its hunting ground. Suddenly, Bigwig appears, knocking the weasel over. Then Hawkbit attacks it. Still intent on catching Pipkin, the weasel is knocked flying down a slope by Bigwig. As the weasel runs off, Bigwig asks Pipkin if he is all right. Back at the tree, there is a reckoning, focusing on Kihar, who Hawkbit and Bigwig condemn roundly. Kihar apologises and says he acted stupidly. Hazel says there is no point in making him feel worse than he already does, but Bigwig repeats that rabbits should not be living with goals and mice, at which point Hazel reminds him that it was Hannah the mouse who warned them about the weasel. Bigwig says it was still Kihar's fault Pipkin was out there, but Hazel points out that because of Hannah they now know that there is a weasel on the down. Bigwig tries to recover his dignity by having a final word with Pipkin about going off on his own, but Hazel's common sense has clearly won the day. Pipkin is very shaken up, so Bigwig tries to reassure him. However, Pipkin says that he also heard Bigwig's name being called in the wind and asks, was it the Black Rabbit of Inlay? Bigwig looks alarmed for a moment, but says that if he wants him, he knows where to find him. We then get one of the more effective moments of the Bigwig of this TV series as we see him from a distance, calmly standing guard, making his meaning clear. And now we are back with an exhausted Holly as he swims a river and seems to pick up a scent. He comes to a rise in the landscape and, looking into the distance, sees Watership Down. This version of Holly's progress towards Watership Down is even less credible than his finding them in the book, which has always seemed a bit of a stretch to me, unless his finding them has some psychic element. Back on the down, the rabbits are at Silfley, but Bigwig is edgy. Dandelion says he's beginning to like it here, and Hawkbit adds that he will like it more when Blackberry has finished digging them a nice warren. Needless to say, this does not go down well with Blackberry, who emerges from her work underground. Things come to a head as Hazel insists that they should help her, with Hawkbit saying they have too much pride to work like does. This ends with Bigwig squaring up to Hazel, and they briefly growl at one another, a moment that would never have happened in the book. Fiverr then suggests a way to settle this without violence, with a game of bobstones. And so we come to the first and only portrayal of the game of bobstones on film. Bigwig vs Fiverr Bigwig warns Fiverr, as part of the inevitable pre-game psychological battle, that he was Bobstone's champion at Sandleford three seasons running, which Fiverr had not realised. As the sun sets, and the rabbits prepare to literally gamble on their survival, the weasel looks on from a distance, saying to himself with a smile that tonight is the night. The actual rules of Bobstone's were not detailed in the novel, so they were seemingly invented for the TV series. I first went through these when going through the Warship Down video game in episode 116. Bobstones is basically a simple guessing game where the player is taken in turns to guess whether the other player has a pebble under both of their paws or a pebble under just one of their paws or no pebbles under either paw. It seems to me though that the makers of the series missed a trick as an additional cast in the game could have been to specify which paw a single stone is under. For some reason, the whole question as to whether or not Bucks will help dig the warren is settled with one just one pair of casts. Fiverr casts first, with Bigwig guessing one. Smiling, Fiverr reveals a pebble under both paws. Bigwig casts next, with Hawkwit encouraging him and Pipkin doing the same for Fiverr. The, mo the moment when Fiverr is making his guess is this week's episode image. Fiverr, to Bigwig's surprise, guesses two, which is correct. Instantly, Kihar laughs uproariously as we see the delight of the feminist side, Hazel, Fiverr, 
Blackberry and Pipkin, and the disappointment of the other side, Hawkbit, Bigwig and Dandelion. Kihar mocks them by saying that now the boys get to dig like does. Bigwig threatens to throw him off the down whether his wing is working or not, to which Hannah responds by saying that Bigwig is a bully rabbit, not a bunny rabbit. Bigwig says he thought she was leaving, to which Hannah responds by saying that she was until she realised that they needed her help. She also calls him Hairy Head, a bit of a weak insult really, but Hannah does seem to specialise in these. Hawkbit says that Fiverr cheated by using his vision powers, to which Fiverr responds by saying he thought Hawkbit thought he didn't actually have any. Bigwig breaks this up by saying he lost and that Owl's Honour demands he accept that, whether it was fair or not, that last comment directed at Fiverr. Blackberry says to Hazel that at least they won, but in a moment that is very true to Hazel's character, he comments, did we, as the losing side wander off to lick their wounds. I get the feeling that this Bigwig would have gloated in victory. Hazel is feeling low about what has happened, and Hannah reassures him. He says the problem is that they have two leaders. Perhaps his job is now over, now they've reached the down, and Bigwig should take over. Hannah says no. He is the leader as he got them there, overriding Hazel's objection. It is a crucial moment in the series. In the novel there is no Hannah, and Hazel's leadership is rarely in doubt. Not so here, where a mouse plays a more important role in the preservation of the Warren on Watership Down than in the novel. It is now night time, and as the rabbits sleep out in the open, the weasel approaches. Briefly, it hears the echo of the voice in the distance, the approaching holly, before turning its attention back to the helpless rabbits. And then Kihar is awake, sounding the alarm. Instantly, Bigwig is on the weasel, rolling it over. It is then surrounded by Bigwig, Hazel, Hawkbit and Dandelion, and runs off, promising its own thoughts to get them one by one. In the first moment of human-like military drill, Bigwig, the clear captain of this new Owsler, commands them all to fall back to the burrow in a line. In the very next shot, they are all underground digging. It seems that the importance of Doe's work has gone up a notch for some reason. Bigwig is still complaining that they should be dealing with the weasel, and in a moment of frenzied digging, seemingly motivated by his temper, causes a roof collapse that just happens to help enlarge the burrow. As the dust settles, Blackberry is impressed with their work, and Fiverr points out that the burrow's roof is being held up by tree roots, which looks like a honeycomb, so Blackberry says that is what they will call it. There will now be enough room for all of them, underground, even Kiha, the idea of which does not impress Bigwig and Hawkbit. But now Pipkin has found something else, a small hole in the side of the honeycomb. This is the moment of discovery of the much-expanded underground world in this version of Watership Down, something that I cited in episode 14 as a geological crime against Watership Down, as Chalk Downland does not include extensive rocky cave systems. However, this just-discovered setting will be the source of much drama later in the series. For the moment, it gives them an idea as to how to deal with the weasel. Hannah says that her uncle has been into this underground world twice, and apparently it goes to the other side of the down. Hazel can smell fresh air, and although Dandelion says it's not much use to them if they can't even turn around in it, Hazel has one of his ideas. Above ground, and in daylight, Hazel explains his plan. One of them will lure the weasel into this tunnel, which will then be sealed behind them. Hawkbit points out the flaw in this plan, that whoever does this will be sealed in with the weasel. Hazel says he realises this and that he will do it, otherwise they will just be picked off one by one. Bigwig insists that he should do it instead, as the Black Rabbit of Inlay is coming for him anyway. Dandelion says that the Black Rabbit only takes the old and the sick to the land beyond life, but Pipkin confirms that they have both heard the Black Rabbit calling Bigwig's name.
His impersonation of Bigwig's voice being called is a bit too much for poor Bigwig, who acknowledges that they need Hazel's leadership and all his new ideas, so it shouldn't be Hazel who goes. Hazel solemnly nods in a moment that settles the leadership of the new Warren. So, this Bigwig is established as being as brave as in the novel. He is prepared to die trapped underground at the hands of a weasel in order to save the others a fate no better than that he would have suffered at the hands of a victorious woundwart. Immediately, Bigwig puts the plan into action, telling everyone where to hide. After an uncomfortably long hug from Kiha, accompanied with effusive praise, which lets us see exactly how British this Bigwig is, he asks Kiha to sound the alarm once he sees the weasel disappear into the burrow. But now Hannah emerges from underground. She has found something. Leading Hazel back to the entrance to the newly discovered passage, she tells him to watch and enters it. Hazel's watch, Hazel watches for her as she emerges back into the honeycomb via another small entrance and surprises Hazel by appearing next to him laughing. Meanwhile, above ground, Bigwig's living wake is getting underway as Hawkbit tries to say a few words. Hazel and Hannah emerge to let him know that she will be able to lure the weasel instead as there is a way back into the honeycomb just large enough for a mouse. But Bigwig is adamant. He will not have a mouse do a rabbit's job, especially as the black rabbit is coming for him. He insists he is going and walks off. Calmly, in one of my favourite comedy moments from this series, Hazel says, grab him. Instantly, Bigwig is surrounded by Hawkbit, Dandelion and Pipkin. Saying they wouldn't dare results in them pinning him down and Hawkbit reminding him he just said Hazel was leader. He gives in to this subtle peer pressure, though I'm sure he could have broken free if he didn't care about injuring them. But being Bigwig, he would care. It is now night time and the trap is sprung, as the weasel, who turns out to be a bit of an alliterator, is lured into the honeycomb by Hannah, who uses the ingenious taunt, smelly breath. The weasel comments, mouse mouthful now, long ear later, as he follows her into the newly discovered passage. Kihar sounds the alarm, and the rabbits rush to block up the entrance to the passage. The weasel grows nervous and begins to back out. However, another cry of smelly breath from Hannah does the trick as he continues following her in a blind rage. Oversized weasels obviously have an issue with halitosis, as well as being incapable of any kind of digging. He nearly gets her, but she escapes as behind him the entrance is blocked. The weasel is a danger no more. A victorious Hannah emerges back into the honeycomb to Hazel's praise and Bigwig's admission that mice and gulls aren't completely useless. An uneasy truce between them has begun. Back above ground, and just as they are celebrating their success, the ghostly voice of the Black Rabbit of Inlay calls out Bigwig's name again. Resigned to his fate, Bigwig calmly makes his way towards the wood the voice came from, but then Hazel and Fiverr join him. He says they will be taken too if they see the Black Rabbit, but Hazel says he is not going alone. A rabbit emerges from the trees. It is, of course, Captain Holly. Exhausted and injured, he is recognised straight away. He says he has been wandering for days, then looks at Fiverr and says he was right that they should have all got out while they had the chance. Fiverr asks if anyone else got out. Just one other did, Pimpernel, who Holly left at another Warren. Sandalford is destroyed. Fiverr says he saw it all in his head. He felt the fear but hoped he was wrong, but now Sandalford is gone and they are all alone. He asks Hazel what they should do. Hazel replies that they will do what their ancestors did before them. They go on. The camera pans left past the tree on Watership Down and up towards the stars.
Is it canon? This episode has little to do with the original novel. At a stretch, it corresponds to chapters 19 to 21, as it does include a mouse, a honeycomb, and the introduction of Captain Holly and the fate of Sandalford Warren. But the whole weasel episode is completely new, and the representation of a member of the Allele as an alliterating, cliched villain stretches credulity, even in the face of the talking farm cat of the novel and 1978 film. Add to that the total misrepresentation of a weasel's size relative to rabbits, as well as the introduction of a seeming cave system on Chalk Downland, and we have now moved very firmly away from the accurate portrayal of nature. However, the haunting and mysterious nature of the introduction of Holly throughout the episode, given that the original audience would have had no idea who he was, is effective. And crucially, this episode includes the only portrayal of the game of bobstones on film, including giving the game some substance as a playable guessing game. So, that alone, from this episode, I am declaring canon. Next time, episode three of season one, The Easy Life. And at last we meet the Warren of the Snares. <laughs>